was just resonating with me right then and there. So thank you so much for just allowing God to continue using you. Right, man, it was wonderful. So hey, uh, a couple of things. Uh, if you have your phones, go ahead and turn them off or put them on silent. But pull up the app so that you can follow along with the message notes uh, with today's message. Okay. Um, our texting resource. If you haven't taken a picture of uh, this to, to, to put that number in your phone, please do it now. And I'm going to let you in on a little bit more information about that number. If you have to leave a message for any of us, that's actually the phone number to our Turlock Church as well. If you text it, we're not going to text anything back to you, I promise you. But if you need to get a hold of us, you can go ahead and call that number as well. So that's another reason for you to lock it in um, in your phone. So if you have any, uh, you want to catch up on anything, P News is what we have. Uh, if you want to get on a team, just follow all these prompts and we'll get you connected wherever you want to be, okay? The big thing is for decisions. If you come to a point in your life where you have taken that step to receive Christ into your heart so that you can follow him and be to live for him as best as you can, we want to hear about that. We want to pray alongside you because we all know that once we take that first step, things start happening and we need to have each other's back so that we can come alongside of each other at the same time, okay? Uh, if you came prepared to give, we have boxes at the exits. Please go ahead and just put them there. Thank you so much for your generosity. It's what is needed so that we can continue doing what we're doing, okay? Um, so if you're, for your first time, this isn't what it's about, but if you came prepared to give, thank you. We have boxes you can give online with our app as well. I mean, there's so many different ways to give, but I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, something coming up, August 5th, is our student game night. We're trying to keep things going. I promise you I'm not going to jump off a diving board in this one like I did last one. But we're getting another opportunity to get our students together so that we can have fun. So if you have anybody in your family, cousins, nephews, grandkids that are middle school or high school age, we're going to be meeting right here on August 5th from 6 to 8 p.m. We're going to have this screen lit up with some video games going, going crazy in here. So if you have any kids or students, please have them come, okay? And if you're a guest and you're here for the first time, I just want to say, welcome home. We're glad that you're here and that you're deciding to be with us this morning as well. We have a starting point out there. We have information for you. We have some, a gift for you. And more importantly, we'd love to have a conversation with you as well. Miss Anna's going to be out there. If you want to talk afterwards, I'd love to have a conversation with you too, okay? So come and find us so that we can get you kind of dialed in to see how you can become more a part of this family right here, okay? All right. This morning is cool. I'm really excited about this miracle series. It's really had me digging into a lot of different um, situations and circumstances, not just reading them, but really kind of just absorbing them. And this message, I got to say, mess with me some. It's a good, good thing for all of us. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you on that. But the first question I want to ask is, how many people are, do we have movie people in here? Just can't wait for the next movie to come out, right? Maverick, who's seen that? That's all? Really? Oh my gosh, it was so good. It was, it was. I'm a Top Gun guy, and I was like, my daughter went with me, and she's like, Dad, stop. I was so giddy. I'm like, that's the same music. That's the same motorcycle. It's the same jacket. She's like, Dad, stop. I was, I, I was there. But I got to tell you, one of my all-time favorite movies, one of my all-time favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. Anybody familiar with that movie? It's a great movie. I mean, the opening scene alone is just incredible, right? I mean, the U.S. soldiers, they're on these Higgins boats just getting off of the Navy ships, and they're on their way to storm the beaches of Normandy. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what to expect. They just know they're going to war, right? They don't know what's going to happen. 
See, their demonstration of courage under fire on that day by our soldiers was epic. It was epic. Despite the onslaught of machine gun fire, they kept storming the beach till they, were, till they overran the German forces and took the beachhead, and ultimately, that changed the tide of the war. That demonstration of faith right there, of, of courage. See, as we look through history, there are a handful of key moments where men and women have stood firm in the face of unbelievable pressure to stand for what is right. All through history. And today, we're going to look at the story of three young men who faced incredible pressure to go against, incredible pressure to go against their personal beliefs and yet showed unshakable courage and faith in the midst of that moment. We're going to hear about that story today. See, in the summer series, Miracles, we've looked both into the Old Testament and New Testament miracles and reminding ourselves that these are not just amazing moments that happen in history, but that, we're, that we serve a God who is still alive and engaged in performing miracles today. That's why we're looking at these miracles. And we want to look at the principles and lessons of this miracle today and ask ourselves this question. What does God want us to know, learn, and apply from this story? So please, open up your Bibles to the book of Daniel. We're going to be in, a, in chapter 3. So if you find it, go ahead and hold your spot. It's located in the Old Testament. It's right after Psalms and Proverbs and right in between Ezekiel and Hosea, okay? So we'll be looking at chapter 3, so hold your spot right there. If you haven't read through the book of Daniel, i got to tell you it's rich with historical accounts of the faithful Jews that lived in exile in Babylon during the ancient times. You see, Daniel had three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they were all captured and exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar in 605 B.C. And when Jerusalem was under siege, the king ordered Israel's young elites and nobles to be rounded up because they would serve in the king's palace. See, they were the best of the best. And the Bible says that God gave these young men knowledge and understanding of all things and all kinds of literature and learning. God blessed them like that. And God even gave Daniel the ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And by interpreting the king's dreams when no one else in the kingdom could, the king came to know God and his power for himself. And as a result, the king promoted Daniel to a high position as ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as a chief over all the king's wise men. So these young men came from Jerusalem, exiled. They were the best of the best. And because of who they were and how they, the nobility that they had, he took them and put them in his own king's service right there. In fact, it said that he trained them for three years, pouring into their education, even giving them the best food right off of the king's table. Then, at Daniel's request, the king appointed his three friends to be in charge over the large area of Babylon, while Daniel remained close to the king. So now, not only did Daniel hold position, but his friends also held position in the kingdom as well. And this morning, I have three questions for us to dig into together as we look at the heated situation these young men found themselves in. See, it's a situation where they face fear face-to-face while, ta- while taking a bold step and stand in their faith. You ever had to stand firm against something? It's tough. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, thank you right now for this moment. Lord, I pray that you settle me. pray that you just continue working in and through me, Lord, and that the words that come out are yours, Lord. Lord, I pray a blessing over everyone here, God, that something will penetrate their heart and that they can have an understanding, Lord, of what your trueness and love is and the hope that you want for us, God. So be with us, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were given Babylonian names once they came to Babylon. Okay? Their new names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody hearing this story now? Remember that story? Yeah. They are given new names. They were given new identities. Okay? Scripture tells us that the king found them, like, perfect. And he wanted them to continue growing and being a part of what, it, what they were doing. And he found them ten times more capable in matters running, uh, requiring wisdom and, and, and knowledge more than anybody in the kingdom. See, he, they were his favorite over everybody. So imagine somebody in, in, in charge and they have their whole leadership, their cabinet, their whole chief of staff. Out of all of them, these guys that were exiled were the top which made those people that were in uh, the king's service jealous. And they tried to figure out something that they could do so they can get them out of the way. And this is what he did. See, King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a golden statue made that was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And he built it in plain view for everyone to see far away. And by erecting it, he hoped to unite a nation. But really, it was to solidify his power by centralizing worship onto him and nothing else. And when he gathered his official people for an announcement which commanded everyone to bow to the ground in worship of the golden statue whenever they heard the music playing. And if anybody refused to bow, the result was they were going to be thrown in a burning, blazing furnace. That's the result. That was what was going to happen. And now that it was mandated that Anyone not complying with the king's order that they will be put to death, these jealous officials, they went right into action and used it to get these three guys in trouble with the king. So they reported to the king, and they told him that the Jews that you put in charge, guess what? When that music is playing, they're refusing to bow down. They won't bow down. What are you going to do? And so the king flipped and rage. And he says, you get those boys and you get them over here right now. So let's hear what he said to them. Let's look at Daniel 3, verses 14 and 15. He says this, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? That's a bold statement at the end right there. But see, these guys definitely had favor with the king. I mean, he was willing to give them a second chance to bow down. But they still had to make a choice. Do they bow down to the false god and stay in the king's good favor? Or do they take a stand against the king's order, knowing exactly what's going to happen if they do? What do they do? See, as I was preparing this message, I ran across a quote that I, a quote that I really like. And it goes, you can tell the content of the man or woman 
Not in times of comfort and of convenience, but in times of challenge and controversy. The reality is that when we are pushed against the wall and we are stressed during challenging times in our life, we are exposed to showing people who we really are. It just opens everything up. You see, it's easy for us on certain levels to stay committed to God with low-risk challenges in life. But the true test is when you stay committed to God when you have everything to lose during those challenging times. That's the true test. And I believe God really just wants to know where we land on our faith. Will we stick with him through anything? Maybe he just wants to see the weight of our faith, where we're at. So here's the question. First one is this. Will I remain faithful when the pressure rises? With this question in mind, I suppose I have to ask myself, can God trust me to stay committed to him after the blessing? Can he trust me to stay committed to him even if it costs me my entire blessing? Those are two tough questions right there. The golden statue was meant for the people to put their faith in an idol and not God. So I ask, what is your golden statue? What is the world dangling in front of you? And you're tempted to bow because you're tempted to think that that's your source instead of God. This includes the little things, the little compromises, you know, the ones that maybe no one will ever know about. Maybe flirting with your coworker on the sly, or maybe looking at things online that you shouldn't be. Don't look at my Amazon cart because I have stuff ready to buy. No, but seriously, what is it that we're doing, even the little things like that? And if you're saying, what's the big deal? I'm telling you right now, that's a red flag that we should all be aware of if we're wondering what the big deal is of what we're doing. And I have a little story. It makes me think about the little things. Some time ago when I was not in ministry at, uh, with uh, New Life, I was a part of a street ministry called Turlock Salt. And it was two families, the Greggs and my family, the Valdespinos. And we lived in a house right in the middle of Turlock that was literally two four-bedroom houses linked together with a pool in the middle. It was nice. And we went and did ministry out in the parks. Usually we were hanging out with some of the homeless friends. I mean, we were doing everything. We were serving breakfast on Saturdays. We were serving dinner on Thursdays at parks. We were going to Las Palmas Retirement Home and doing service out there. There were so many things that we were doing. It was full-time ministry. And my wife was with me, of course, on the way, but she was also working. At that time, I had, I literally, I know I'm crazy, I, I sold my business and I went straight into full-time ministry. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it, trusting that God was going to do it. So anyway, my wife was still looking for work. She was collecting unemployment, and you know how that goes. You just turn in your thing, boom, they send you some money. It's all good, right? You just got to say you're looking. Well, we got to this point where she wasn't looking for work anymore. She was right there with me doing ministry in the streets, and we got to that point in the month where we had to redo it, and we just felt this nudging on our hearts like, how can we live this life of integrity and ask other people to live this life if we're not living with integrity ourselves? I go, babe, we're not looking, we're not looking for a job. And so I remember that monthly call. She's on the phone with her on, on, on speaker, and she says, okay, so give me the jobs that you're looking for. And she says, well, I have to tell you that we're not curr- I'm not currently looking for work right now, so I have to refuse the benefits. 
And I remember going, oh my gosh, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And then the lady goes, no, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Just tell me you're looking for a job and I'll send you a check today. And she says, I'm sorry, we cannot receive it. Thank you. She hung up the phone and I was like, what did we do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to get this money from? I mean, I was just like beside myself. But it was the right thing to do. And I got to tell you, God did continue providing and protecting us and taking care of us as a result of that. For me to even share that with you right now. Only God in the middle of all that stuff. Maybe it's a promotion or a business deal or a relationship or maybe it's money. I mean, times are hard right now, right? Things are difficult. The worry of not having enough is real and can lead us to doing some crazy things to provide for ourselves and our families. Guys, the paper chase is real. Money can easily become a golden statue if we're not careful. We have to be careful with that. See, we have to make a choice either to stand with God or submit to the ways of the world. It's one or the other. How will we respond during the challenges in life when the pressure is on and everything is on the line? How will we respond? And the truth is you'll never really know until you're actually going through it yourself at that time. You see, God wants to trust us with what he gives us. But if we fold and submit to the pressures around us instead of standing in our faith, we will never see the fullness of God's plan and purpose for our lives. Never. We have to stand. We have to resist. So let's read on to see what happens in verse 16 and 18. 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. At least they were polite to the king, right? Maybe that's something to speak for us in the way we communicate with the things we don't agree with. See, this kind of bold faith is based in our deep-seated belief in the power and authority that God carries over all things. Notice how he said, our God is able to save. That's a statement right there. And that statement alone recognizes the ultimate power of God over every part of our life and the lives of others around us. In fact, the laws of nature as well. That's the power and authority of God. And what they say next, I got to tell you, is even more powerful. They say, not only can God save us, but God will save us. Now listen, I'm not saying, calling this name it and claim it. No, this isn't what I'm saying. That's not what I'm getting at. See, this is actually a statement of submission. It's a statement of submission. See, these guys are firmly convinced that God's going to save them either through a miracle or through death in the eternal life. Either way, he's got them. See, this is a statement of ultimate submission to the perfect will of God. That's what that is. Imagine how our lives would be if we responded to the challenges like this. Imagine. What a powerful and bold way for us to approach those challenging seasons in our lives where we say, I know God can and I know God will. 
Imagine stepping into every circumstance, regardless of what's going on, knowing that he can and will. There's peace in that. So here's the second question for us. Will my trust in God be bigger than the consequences I face? See, there will always be challenges in life. We know this. We know this. But imagine Jesus inviting you into a place of peace where you trust in God, where your trust in God supersedes the consequences that you're facing. Imagine that kind of trust. See, these guys got it. As scary as it might have been, they were sure about God's power and that he is without a doubt able to save them. Their faith in God enabled them to stand strong on his promise of unfailing love and faithfulness when the pressure is rising. We sang about his unfailing love today. He can move the mountains. Seen him do it before. He paved the way. We, 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 we sung that. And their final statement to the king is the one that is most challenging for me. Every time I read this, it gets to me. Daniel 3.18 says this, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if. It didn't matter. doesn't matter. Even if. We're still not going to bow down. Their faith was not based upon God doing what they wanted him to do. That's not what their faith was based on. Let me ask you, have you ever gotten mad at God or felt like he let you down or maybe he didn't come through? I know I have, right? See, we have to be careful because it's easy to fall into this mindset as followers of Jesus because it's based on this statement. What can God do for me? We've got to be careful. But biblical Christianity has never been based on a what can God do for me foundation. Biblical Christianity and the faith that we see in these young men demonstrating is based on the question, how can my life honor God? So it's not about what can God do for me. The question is, no, how can my life honor God right now, right here? So as you reflect on your personal faith, which one of these statements best captures your approach to God? Do you have a what can God do for me faith? Or do you have a how can my life honor God faith? Those are the two. These three young men had their hearts set in the right place, focusing on honoring God with their lives. What a powerful statement. Even if God does not save us, we will not dishonor him, even if. That is a bold way to live in our walk with Christ. Can you imagine coming to this place of peace where we say, I'm good either way, because I know you have enough power to handle it either way. Imagine coming to that place of peace. I mean, maybe if it's part of God's plan, maybe it's better to go through the fire than to avoid it, right? If that's part of his plan. You see, I believe that there's favor in the fire. See, some things we can only get as we're walking through the fire. There's some things that we can't get unless we walk through it. And I believe God can use what you're walking through right now to let you know that he loves you and that he sees you and that he has your back and he's not going to stop. That is the unfailing love that we talk about and that we worship. 
That is the God that we serve. He has our back. I said it before, he's never up to nothing because he's always up to something, even when we don't feel it or see it. Back to the story. After the young man refused to obey the king's order a second time, he really flipped. And he commanded the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter than normally. And he got his strongest men, the strong men of the, of the kingdom. He said, bind them up and throw them in the fire. And so they bound them up and they started walking to the fire. But guess what the fire did? The fire ended up consuming and killing the strong men and not the three friends. And since the strong men weren't there, the Bible says that they fell into the fire. It was seven times hotter. But King Nebuchadnezzar came to a point where he was shocked. See, what happened was he had to get a better look because from where he was sitting, he was looking in the fire. And he's looking, and he looks at his, the guy and says, hey, didn't we throw three men inside of the furnace? And they're like, yeah, I saw it myself. There's three. He goes, then why do I see four men inside the fire right now? What's going on? And the king says, okay, hold up. What's going on? That fourth says, he says, the Bible says this, looks like a son of a God. <laughs> the king recognized it right there. And the fire did not limit their mobility. The passage says they walked around with joy in the fire. So here's the last question for us this morning. Will I let the heated conditions lead me to divine freedom? Will I let the fire do what only the fire can do through the Holy Spirit's presence in my life? These guys are met by God in the fire. The rope that bound their hands disappeared, and they were walking around inside of the fire. I want you to know that the thing you hated to go through can very well be the thing that God is going to use to set you free. God can use the fire to bring you freedom, and you're only free because you got in the fire. That's it. And I know this might not make sense because, you know, we feel that joy comes after the fire, right? We feel like it comes after the fire. But the true measure of faith is when you have joy while you're in the fire. You have to hear this. In this story, Jesus never revealed himself except inside the furnace. And at that very moment, when he was needed the most, he was there. Think about that for a second. When they were needed the most, he was there. Maybe he never left the fire. And he's waiting for when we need him next. Sometimes we meet Jesus in the fire. And it's a good thing. And you know, I'm not talking to literal flames. You understand what I'm getting at, right? It's in the challenges of life where we feel like nothing is going to happen, nothing is going to work. We find this place of hopelessness is where if we choose to, we can allow God to reveal himself to a way where it becomes personal and real. But we couldn't have got there unless it was through the challenge of life. How many of you guys have experienced that? I got to tell you, I fall in love with Jesus more and more after every hardship I have to walk through because I see him come through every time, every time. And that's, that's the love that I have learned for him. 
Scripture continues to say that Nebuchadnezzar, he ran as close to the fire as he could. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servant of the high God, come out here. And so they came out. And when they came out, all of the king's leaders and counselors examined and saw that the fire didn't burn them at all. In fact, not a hair singed, clothes burned. Man, they didn't even smell like smoke. They were untouched. Miraculous. Right? Can you imagine everyone's amazement after witnessing this miracle? I mean, that golden statue would have looked so small after this, right? It would have taken over everything. And the king was just floored after this. Let's hear what he says in verse 28 and 29. He says, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their house will be turned to, into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Oh my gosh. These boys stood firm in front of the roaring furnace because they knew who they were and who they belonged to. They had this childlike, this child got like confidence that they just knew that their daddy was going to show up. They knew who they were. They knew that they were children of God. See, the Babylonians placed new names and identities onto these young men. The same way our world today wants to put labels on you now. Telling you who you are and what to do. But you can't listen to the world. The enemy, he'll try to label you. So the only way to go against that is by knowing who you are and who you belong to. It's the only way. See, here's a miracle behind a miracle. And it's not centered so much on the young men that took a stand in front of the king. No. It's really about who they served and how he is powerful and mighty to save. That's what it's about. See, God actually used their story to change the way a nation worshipped. Their story, those three boys, how a nation would worship. And through their demonstration of faith, God changed the heart of a king to change the heart of a kingdom. Do you realize how big that is in that moment? And my hope is that you find encouragement today knowing that you're not alone in that fire that you might be experiencing right now, this very moment. You're not alone. God is with you, and he always will be. In fact, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to stand in that fire with us. And our demonstration of faith to others when we find ourselves back in the fire will impact and be an encouragement to everyone around. Starting at home with your wife or your husband and your kids and then your family and friends. And who knows how far your impact will be felt right here in our community and beyond. 
by your demonstration of faith. Church, we can walk with joy through anything because we can confidently know that Jesus is walking through it with us, regardless of how hopeless things seem. And he will use it to free us of anything holding us back from trusting him 100%, anything distracting from that fireproof faith. Because that's what we want. It can't be fire retardant. Fire retardant just burns slow. We need to have fireproof faith faith. Let's stay committed to him when the pressure rises and let our faith in him be bigger than the consequences we face because we know that God is able to save. So will you let God use the tough stuff you're walking through right now to lead you to divine freedom? A place where you are free to do the right thing. My hope is that you come to a place of freedom and peace in your faith to stay committed to God because you know that God is powerful and that he is able to save. And I pray that your faith has been strengthened to stay committed to your walk with God regardless or even if it's not how you want it to be because we know that God has a plan and purpose for you in your life that's perfect. And that's where we want to be in our faith you guys stand with me? You know, the hardest thing right now and, and, and for many of us is to come to this place of peace and rest because of the circumstances and the things that are kicking and going on in our life. And right now together as a church, as a family, we're going to come to the Lord and ask him to give us that strength to stand firm through whatever trials and whatever's going on in our lives. We pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for my church family, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word, God, that speaks to us, that shapes us, and that helps us grow, Lord. And Lord, thank you for the story of these young men that stood firm, Lord, for you and their faith. And I pray that we can understand this and come to a place to where we won't let the consequences stop us from trusting you, God. Where we'll be able to step forward, Lord, and be closer to you as a result of our obedience and standing firm, God. So I thank you for everyone here. I pray a blessing over them, God. I ask that you continue watching over them and protect them, Lord, and provide for them, Lord, and just speak to them throughout the week, God. Anything that's going on in their hearts, Lord, in their minds, Lord, I pray that you bring them to a place of peace and rest right now, Jesus. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this weekend. I love being able to hang out with you. Next week, Pastor Jeremy is coming back. So guys, come back and let's go ahead and welcome him back with a, with a big hug and everything else, okay? I can't wait to see you next week. I love you. Have a good day.